Well, we started a new message series last Sunday called Overcome It. And, you know, the thing about this series is people are just over it right now. They're over what's happening in our world right now. They're over the sickness. They're over the war. They're over the politics. Come on, somebody. How many are tired of hearing about Elon Musk buying Twitter? Why are we, who cares? Like, who cares? You know, people are so fired up about that. I'm like, why does it matter? Anyway, people are just over it, and understandably so. It's like every day we just get bombarded with more stuff, and it's just like, I'm just over it all. Here's the thing. In life, when we just get over something, it usually doesn't turn out so well for us. Because when we just get over it, we tend to become apathetic, which means disengaged. We tend to become angry, and that emotion of anger kind of drives our life. We can become addicted to things. And what, what that's doing is we're medicating hurt. We're medicating wounds. We're just over it. I'm over my marriage. I'm over my job. And what can I find that's going to medicate this wound inside my heart? And so we get addicted to things like food or alcohol or drugs or pornography, stuff like that. When we become just over it. We withdraw from the things that actually matter and actually need our attention and they need our time and they need our focus, but we withdraw from those things because we're just over it. And so as much as we would like to just be able to say, I'm just over this and I'm done and I'm moving on and I don't care anymore. God has not called us to live our lives that way. He doesn't want us just to become over anything like the rest of the world. We're called to overcome it in Christ Jesus. Listen, it's wired in the DNA of every child of God to be an overcomer. The scripture says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. So that means we've been empowered to overcome it no matter what it might be. And I believe this message series that we started last week is a, is a it's honestly, it's a word for the body of Christ in this season. Because this is not the time for the church to just be over it and withdraw from the rest of the world and wait for the rapture to come. Come on, somebody. This is the season and the time for the church to be about the Father's business, to seek and save the lost and advance the kingdom of God on the earth in this hour. And our theme verse for this series is John chapter 16, verse 33. And I want you to look at that with me. John 16, 33. And this is where Jesus said to his disciples, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus said, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And we kicked off the series last week by talking about what it looks like to overcome the world, what it looks like to overcome the things of the world and the things that the world is throwing at us. And if you missed that message, let me just encourage you to go online sometime this week and listen to it. Like we flat out had church up in here last Sunday. I enjoyed myself. I don't know if anybody else enjoyed it, but I was preaching like my coattail was on fire. Come on. <laughs> That's an exaggeration. It was a good service, though. <laughs> you can listen on the podcast, you can listen uh, uh, through our website or through YouTube, but check that out. This Sunday, I want to continue on with this thought that we started last week about overcoming the world. And what I want to do is something a little bit unique. I want to unpack a concept from Scripture that I believe has the power to change everything for us. It has the power to change everything about the way you see the world and see yourself in the world and you see God's involvement 
in the world. And I believe this one concept has the power to help you so much as we live through uh, these very unprecedented times that we're living in right now. So let's pray and ask God to, uh, to be with us today, to speak to us through his word. Father, we love you, and again, we thank you for this day, Lord, and uh, God, it is the day that you've made, and we choose to rejoice and be glad in it, Lord, and uh, God, we just thank you in advance for how you're going to speak to us today through your word. I pray that our hearts would become fertile soil for the word to go forth and for it to take root and spring up a harvest that causes us to be more like Jesus, and we give you thanks and praise for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. And I, I want to say this up front because everything that's happened so far in this service, every song we've sung, the, uh, the pastoral prayer time, the, the word that God gave Pastor Mark to deliver us to us today in that prayer time, everything is right in line with my message. And we haven't, we, none of us talked about any of that. I love when God does that. But uh, I, I just don't want you to think, man, we're just repeating ourselves today. But this is, this is what God is trying to get you to understand and hear today. But this concept that I want to show you today is the principle of living in the tension. It's the principle of living in the tension. And there's actually a more fitting word that you can use there instead of the word principle, and it's the word paradox. It's the paradox of living in the tension. And, you know, that, that word paradox is not a word that we use all that often, so I wanted to show you what the definition is. It's a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. So a paradox is, is two seemingly contradictory statements that when you really look at it, you find out, well, both of these things are true at the same time, even though they seem to contradict one another. Let me give you some examples of a paradox in our everyday life. Here's a paradox. The more you try to impress people, the less impressed they'll be. The more you fail, the more you'll succeed. We're all scared of failure, but that's a true thing. Listen to this one. The more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. It's true. The less available something is, the more you want it. Case in point, toilet paper. Anybody remember that craze of 2020? I've got to have it, man. You couldn't find it. It's crazy. Uh, this is one that uh, particularly strikes uh, a chord with me. The more you love your sports team, the more you'll hate them. And the Braves, they win one, they lose one. They win one, they lose one. And I'm just like, oh, come on, you guys need to go on one of those runs where you win like seven in a row, and uh, it's going to be a long season. They are the World Series champs, though, so I'm just going to hold on to that. But the, the thing about a paradox, both of the ideas, while contradictory in nature, when you really look at it, you find out, well, this is simultaneously true. And when we study the New Testament, we actually find this kind of thing all over the place. We find paradox everywhere. Two thoughts that seem to contradict one another, but they are actually simultaneously true. Here's an example of a paradox that we find often in the Scripture, just in a general uh, way. It's God's going to work everything out for you, but right now it's really hard. God's going to work it out. It's going to be okay. You're going to, to win. He has a plan for you. He's on the throne. He's good. He's working. To all of that, we say, yes, amen, I believe that. But what I'm dealing with right now in this moment does not feel like winning because it's tough, it's difficult, and it's real. And I don't want you to miss this because your ability 
to hold these two opposing truths at the same time. God is good. He's for me. He's going to work it out. We're going to win in the end. But right now, things aren't going the way I want them to go. The, the ability to hold those two truths simultaneously is the key to us making it through the really hard times and difficult seasons of our lives that sometimes we find ourselves in. Author Jim Collins wrote a book called Good to Great. And the book, Good to Great, is designed for business leaders, but so much of the content is just good for life. Uh, I first read that book back in 2016, and it really was, like, very eye-opening. It was a great book for personal growth. And in the book, uh, Collins talks about something called the Stockdale Paradox. And uh, what you find when you read the book is that this guy Stockdale was a, he was a military officer during the Vietnam War, and he was actually captured. And tortured during that war. It was a terrible situation. He was in a POW camp for eight years in Vietnam, uh, beaten and, and, and starved, and he almost died there. But he survived and made it home while so many others in his same situation didn't make it. It's an amazing story. And so uh, Collins reached out to this guy Stockdale when he was writing the book, and he wanted to know, how is it that you survived? How is it that so many other people didn't, but you made it through this somehow? For eight years, you were there longer than some other people, but somehow you came out of this terrible situation uh, while others didn't. Uh, you know, what, what is the, the, the key here? And this is what Stockdale told Collins when he was writing the book. He said the key to survival was holding on to two opposing truths at the same time. Now, here's the first one. The first truth he held on to was there was an unwavering hope that he was going to make it home one day that someday he was going to see his family again. He pictured having Christmas with his family. He pictured being at his kids' birthdays. He pictured life with the people that he loved. He knew, one day I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to make it out. I'm going to survive. That was truth number one. Truth number two was, it's probably not going to be today. It's probably going to take a while to get there. And Jim Collins in this book referred to this ability to simultaneously hold on to these two opposing truths. He called it the Stockdale paradox. And he believes that, that living in this paradox and, and, and living well in, in, in this tension between two truths is the key to creating greatness in business or in life. And this is what the Stockdale paradox revealed. This is what Collins wrote, and I've got it on the screen for you. He says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. And so that's the paradox we're talking about. You know, life is unfair, and sometimes that works to your advantage, but sometimes it doesn't. And there are going to be difficult days and difficult circumstances and difficult seasons that we find ourselves in. No one is immune to that. You know why no one is immune to that? Because we live in a fallen world. And anybody who tells you differently is lying to you. You're not immune to the difficult challenges. You're not immune to the things that come. The Bible says the rain falls on the just and the unjust. You are going to face setbacks and crushing blows that will be impossible for you to explain or impossible for you to understand why you're going through what you're going through. Nothing anybody says to you will make sense. It's a fallen world. It might come in the form of a pandemic that takes a loved one's life. It might come in the form of a layoff from your job 
These difficulties might come in the form of a mental health or a physical health diagnosis you didn't want to hear. They might come in the form of betrayal from your spouse or someone that you care about and you gave your life to. They might come in the form of being shot down and stuck in a prison camp for eight years. These things that are unexplainable are going to come. And this is what Collins wrote after talking with Stockdale. He said, what separates people is not the presence or absence of difficulty, but how they deal with the inevitable difficulties of life when they do come. And that's the Stockdale paradox. It's this unwavering faith that in the end we're going to make it, but right now life is hard. And I'm not denying that. I'm not, I'm not denying that life is hard. I'm not denying that what I'm walking through is a challenge and this is difficult. And it's being willing to confront those challenges head on. Here's the thing. That Stockdale paradox, that's not just a business leader's concept. That's actually biblical truth. You can find that all through the Bible and it has the power to set us free. And you actually see it in what Jesus said in John chapter 16 verse 33 in our theme verse. Again, if you look at it, he said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. And then he said this, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Do you see the Stockdale paradox in that? You see on the one hand, in this world you will have trouble. Sometimes life is going to treat you unfairly. Sometimes things are going to go badly for you. Sometimes life is going to get hard. But on the other hand, take heart because I have overcome the world. They're both from the mouth of Jesus. They're in the same verse. They seem to be contradictions, but they're simultaneously true. And the truth is for us is that most of the time we live our lives right in the middle of these two truths. Stuck in the tension of a paradox. Let me show you another verse of scripture from Jesus where we see it. It's in Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 where he looks at the crowds of people and he says to them, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The first truth is, in this life you're going to get weary. In this life, you're going to get heavy burden. You're going to walk through some seasons where life feels heavier than other seasons. It's going to happen. It's unavoidable. It's part of life. But here's the second part. When you come to me, no matter where you're coming to me from, I will ease that load. I will give you rest. I will take that heaviness off of you, and I'll replace it with my yoke, which is easy and made for you to carry. That is the paradox of our faith. And we actually see it over and over again all through the Bible in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. When you read the Bible looking for it, you'll see it over and over and over again. And the Apostle Paul actually modeled this paradox for us really well. This is what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. You see it again. The Stockdale paradox, I'm not going to lose heart. I'm going to hold on to faith because on the one hand, while I'm wasting away, on the other hand, I'm being renewed day by day. When I took Greek in, in, in college, I had to learn Greek and it's part of my degree. And I remember learning this phrase in the Greek, on the one hand, on the other hand. It was one of the first things we had to learn because it shows up all through the New Testament. On the one hand, there's this, but on the other hand, there's this. It's the Stockdale Paradox. It's these two things that seem to be contradictory. And Paul said, on the outside, I'm wasting away. 
but on the inside, I'm being renewed day by day. And listen to me, this is how we live overcoming. We don't overcome by avoiding challenges. We don't overcome anything by avoiding the difficulty or running from it or pretending it's not there. We overcome by choosing faith in spite of the difficulties that we're facing. That's how we overcome whatever the world throws our way. And Paul most famously demonstrated this for us in his prison epistles. The prison epistles are four books in the New Testament that were originally letters that Paul wrote from a prison cell. It's Colossians, Ephesians, Philemon, and Philippians. And he also wrote 2 Timothy uh, from a prison cell as well. And in every one of these letters, Paul demonstrates this paradox of living in the tension, living between two contradictory uh, realities. Let me show you one here in Colossians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul says this. He says, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world. Okay, he's writing this letter to the church to encourage them, and he's like, yes, this thing is working. God is on the move. People's lives are being transformed. People are being saved all over the world. This is great. Everything is good. But then you go to Colossians chapter 4, verse 18, and he writes this. He says, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. And then he says, remember my chains. In one part of the letter, Paul says, I am so pumped up about what God is doing all over the world. This is amazing. Great things are happening. But then in another part of the letter, he says, don't forget, I'm in prison right now, and I could use some prayer. In the book of Ephesians, we see it again. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He goes on in chapter 1, and he talks about how God chose us, and he predestined us for adoption, and he lavished wonderful gifts upon us, and he's made the mystery of Christ known to us, and in him we have been chosen, and all of that awesome stuff. Just a lot of places say, amen, praise God, yes, that's right on, Pastor Paul, but then look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. Just two chapters later, Paul says this, For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles. And again, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he reminds them, I am a prisoner for the Lord. On the one hand, Paul is saying God is awesome and he's so worthy of praise. And can you believe all the good things he's doing in our lives? And he's blessed us with so much and we can't even comprehend it all. And we've been chosen out of darkness and into his light. And he has a wonderful plan for us. And he's got a future and all these wonderful things are happening. He's revealed mysteries to us that the rest of the world has spent their whole lives searching for. But he's shown it to us through Christ Jesus. And all this is incredible. But at the same time of all of this incredible stuff... I am a prisoner, and literally right now I'm sitting in a prison, and I know I'm free in Jesus, but right now it doesn't feel like I'm free because I'm literally chained to a floor. In Philemon chapter 1, verse 1, he writes this. He says, I am Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus. But then look at verse 22 in this letter. He says, one more thing before I go. Prepare a guest room for me because I hope to be restored to you in an answer to your prayers. What is Paul saying? He's saying, get the guest room, baby, because I'm coming out. I am not spending the rest of my time in this prison. Soon you're going to see me because I'm getting out of here. Every single time, every time Paul wrote a letter, he said, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still in prison for doing good, for preaching the gospel, for adding 
bring value to others. They put me in prison for that. But by faith, I'm not staying here forever one way or another. I am coming out of this prison that I've been living in. And you might be here today or watching us online today, and you might feel a little bit like Paul did when he wrote these prison epistles. You're stuck in a prison. You're in chains. You're facing difficult circumstances and challenges that feel bigger than you, and they feel overwhelming, and you don't know how in the world you're ever going to get out of this place that you've been. I've got some good news for you today. Whatever challenge you're facing, whatever difficulty you're dealing with, it is not bigger than God. And when we choose to see the other side, of the paradox, when you choose to see the whole picture through eyes of faith, your faith begins to build and your faith begins to change the way you see yourself in the middle of that situation. What happens is it builds hope in you. And hope is the most powerful thing on the planet because hope can produce miracles and make impossible things happen. You know why? Because our hope is not in this world or the things of this world. It is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our hope is. Amen. So you don't have to just be over it and give up and give in and get swallowed up in all the hopelessness and despair that you feel. You can overcome it by faith because there is another side of this story. There's another side of the paradox. And the God you serve is an awesome God. And he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever ask or even imagine according to his power that is at work in us is what the scripture says. So that means, listen, as long as I have breath in my body, there is a power at work in me through the power of the Holy Spirit. Nothing is ever hopeless for a child of God. Whatever challenge you're facing, no matter what it is, it's not powerful enough to negate the power of God that's working in you. Romans chapter 8 verse 11, Paul says, it's the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. That's the power that's at work in you if you're a child of God. And that's a reason right there to live your life with hope today. And Paul understood that. All through the New Testament, when you read his writing, he understood that. He got that in every case and with every letter. Paul held these two paradoxical truths at the same time. I'm in chains, and that's really hard. But I am holding on to hope because I know the God that I serve. And I know how good he is. And I know how big he is. And I know that he's got everything in control. And I know that in the end, we win. And so this is what I believe. I believe that this season and what we have already encountered and what we will encounter in the days ahead, it's going to require every single one of us to hold these two paradoxical truths at the same time. If we want to overcome and we want to avoid this just I'm over it and I'm done and I'm just withdrawing and whatever, if we want to, if we want to overcome what this world is going to throw at us, we've got to be able to hold these two truths at the same time. It's that this is really hard. I mean, the Bible calls these days perilous for a reason. It, it's hard. It's not easy. It's a challenge. But it won't last forever. He will see us through. And in the end, no matter what happens, we win. And listen, being able to live in this tension between the two ends of the paradox and keep our heads up and our hearts pure, this is a massive sign and evidence of spiritual maturity. I'm going to say that again. Being able to live in the tension between I'm in pain and I'm hurting and I'm, I'm being challenged and this is difficult. 
but I know God is, is taking me through it. I know God is good, and I've still got faith. Being able to live in that tension and keep your head up and your heart pure is a sign and evidence of your spiritual maturity. Because we don't deny or run from our problems. We don't pretend they're not there. We don't pretend that COVID isn't real. Come on. We're not pretending anything. But we also don't get swallowed up in them. We don't get consumed by it all. We don't get dominated by it. Uh, we, we remember who our God is and who we are in him. And we never let go of our faith even when things are challenging. I want to say this too. Listen to me. Your identity is not in your challenge. Your difficulty does not define who you are. You may be locked in a prison right now, but you don't have to identify as a prisoner for the rest of your life because the one who declares you free is the one who holds the key. Come on, somebody. Amen. And he has the power to set you free from whatever change you might find yourself in. This is what we do. We identify ourselves in Christ Jesus, who we are in him. And when you wrap yourself up in Christ, like the Bible talks about, there's no room for any chains to stay wrapped around you as well. It sets you free when you realize who you are in Christ Jesus. This is how we overcome. We live by faith in the middle of the tension. It's hard right now, but I know my Redeemer lives. And this is what I want to do today before we go. I want to give you three things that happen when we find ourselves living in that place of tension. Between the two truths of the paradox, three things that happen when we live in the tension well in our world. And here's the first one. When we live well in the tension, it inspires others. It inspires others when we live well in the tension. When difficulty comes your way, and you respond with spiritual maturity and faith and hope. You better believe that others take notice. They see it. When we live for the glory of God, first and foremost, it makes a difference for others. Look at Philippians chapter 1 with me. Chapter 1, verse 12. Again, this is Paul. This is a prison epistle. He's writing this from prison. This is what Paul says. He says, what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, let me ask you something today. Is it possible that God wants to use what you are going through and what you've been through to advance the gospel, to help others get to him? See, when we live well in the tension, it advances the gospel. It advances the message of Christ. When we live well in the tension in our workplaces and in our families and in front of our friends and neighbors, it advances the gospel of Jesus Christ. They see the light of Christ in this world that's very, very dark right now. They see something different in us. And the thing that's different in us that they see is that there is a living, real hope in us named Jesus. Our lives will inspire them and help them get closer to Jesus. But that only happens when we overcome it instead of becoming over it. And Paul goes on in verse 13. Look at this. He says, as a result, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. So this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, even in chains, God is using me in incredible ways right here in this prison that I'm in. This place that was designed to stop the gospel from going forth has actually created another opportunity for me to tell people who don't know about Jesus all about him because there has to be a guard watching me 24-7 and they change out every hour and every time a new one comes in, he gets to hear my testimony. He gets to hear about the glorious way that I got saved. Every time one comes in, he hears the gospel 
gospel. But that's not all. Look at verse 14. Paul says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul says, what I'm going through is not just impacting this prison for good. It's impacting all the churches out there for good as well. Because since I've been locked up, they've gotten more bold in their faith. They've gotten more radical in their witness. They've gotten inspired to take up this gospel message too. Since I've been stuck in here, they've stepped up out there. They've gotten confident. They've become fearless. And our collective witness for Christ to the world, watch this, it's been multiplied. All because I got locked up. You know what that is? That's another principle that we see in Scripture, starting in the book of Genesis, that says what the devil meant for evil, God used it for good. There is nothing that you will ever go through in your life that God doesn't have the power to redeem and use it for your good and for the advancement of his kingdom. And the way Paul lived his life didn't just inspire the world around him to live for Jesus. It inspired the church, the brothers and sisters to live for him all the more. So let me ask you this. What if instead of just being over it, in your trouble. You actually set your eyes on faith and began to overcome it. What would happen if you started to live your life in such a way that others would look on and say, wow, you're living your best life even while you're going through the hardest thing you've ever gone through. You're still victorious. You're still living out your dreams. You're still reaching your goals. You're still making an impact for others. You're still living for Jesus in spite of everything you're going through. You still have faith and hope. Listen, that's what God wants. Nothing we face has the power to minimize or limit his will for our lives because he's made us to overcome. And when we overcome, people get inspired. They see Jesus. He gets the glory and people come to know him. That's what happens. That's what happens when we live in the tension well. Number one, it inspires others. Here's the second one. When we live in the tension well, we learn contentment. We learn contentment. And in the tension, we're reminded that our contentment is not found in this world. It's not found in all the stuff we have or don't have. Contentment is not found in all the circumstances of my life being right or perfect or even going according to plan. In the tension, we're reminded that this world is not all there is. And what we see with our physical eyes is not the full scope of the story. There's so much more to it. And that's what Paul gets into in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Again, writing from prison. Listen to what he says in, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Listen, this is what Paul's saying. It's not that all of my circumstances turned out just the way that I wanted them to that have caused me to be content. That's not what it is. I have chosen and I've decided to be content first, regardless of my circumstances, regardless of the way things go or don't go. No matter what, I'm good. My head is up. My heart is pure because my contentment is not tied to my circumstances. And friends, listen to me. That is the secret to a good life right there. Whether you're rich or you're poor, 
in good times and in bad, in sickness and in health, when things go as planned or all hell breaks loose. And if you've got children, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Somehow, through it all, we're still good. How is that possible? This is how. You learn the secret that Paul learned. That my contentment is not a product of my circumstances. My contentment is a product of a person named Jesus who is full of hope for my life. And he is with me no matter what I face, no matter what I go through. He's with me in the good times and he's with me in the bad times. He's with me in the morning when the sun is shining brightly. And he's with me in the midnight hour when I can't even see to find my way. He's with me and he'll never leave me. And you know what? His presence changes everything. His presence means that no matter what I face, I'm going to be okay because I know I'm in his hands. I think about when God told Moses, he was like, hey, look, I, I, am, I am done with these, this, these people, this obstinate nation, and, and you, know, you want to be on your own, you don't want me, go and do it on your own. And Moses said, I don't want to go if you're not going with me. I need your presence every day. Those people may not realize it, but I know it. I know I got to have it. And that's the beautiful thing about those who are in Christ Jesus. The word of God says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. There's nowhere you can go that he won't be there. In fact, that's what David wrote about in Psalms chapter 139 verse 7. He asked the question, where could I go from your spirit, God? Where could I flee from your presence? He says, if I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there too. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. No matter where I go, no matter what I go through, his presence goes with me and his presence makes all the difference. Paul said living in the tension, living in the middle of the paradox has helped me to learn this thing called contentment that so many people in our world are chasing. Let me ask you today, have you learned this lesson yet? Have you learned contentment? Are you content or are you still out there striving for things that you don't have but you want? Are you content or are you still comparing yourself to others? Are you content or are you still angry about what you didn't have growing up and opportunities that you didn't receive? Are you content or are you still out there chasing something that the world promised to deliver on. And what I'm talking about is love and acceptance and validation and value. You know the world can't give you those things, right? You, listen, you know you're never going to get validation from a Facebook post, right? Come on, somebody. Those th- <laughs> I don't care how many people liked it. And I know a lot of people, turns out, like Android, and that's cool, whatever. Like, <laughs> I need to get on board with the Apple. Anyway, I'm talking about contentment. Phones don't make you content either. You don't get validation from those things. You don't get validation because you've got the same piece of technology that your neighbor does. You don't get validation because your neighbor bought a boat, so you bought a boat, and now you're the same. 
You get validation from being in Christ Jesus and knowing that. And here's the difference. The world is out there looking for it. Love me. Accept me. Embrace me. Tell me I'm good. Tell me I'm worthy. Tell me all of this stuff. In Christ Jesus, we have it. We're not looking for it. We've already received it. And we go into the world fully known, fully loved, and fully valued because of who we are in Christ. We're not looking for it. And living well in the tension causes us to learn this contentment secret. No matter where I am, I'm good. And listen to me, living with contentment is the key to living with real lasting joy in your life. Joy doesn't have to be something that comes and goes. Joy is not something that just shows up the day after Thanksgiving because it's time to be joyful. It stays with us. It's ever increasing. And the truth is, God has been teaching Carmen and I this season, in this season over the last several years, he's been teaching us this lesson, learning contentment, learning to trust him no matter what, learning to trust him when things don't go like we felt they would, and learning to trust where we are in his process and not leaning to our own understanding but in all of our ways acknowledging him so that he can direct our path. Come on, that's what we're learning. Are you learning contentment? Are you learning this lesson? Learning how to choose joy no matter what. That's what the Bible says, by the way. It says count it all joy. Count it all joy. And then he talks about trials and difficulties. Count it all joy because we've learned contentment. It's not easy because it's not natural for any of us, but in this season we're learning how to have real and lasting joy. And when you learn contentment, it makes the journey worth it. It makes life worth the living. Life is hard. There's no doubt about it. But this life is not all there is. There is a better day coming. And that's another thing that just helps us be content is we know that there is a promise of heaven. And we're going to get there one day. When I say we win in the end, we win in the end. We're going to be with Jesus. Paul said, listen, he was so content in life. Paul said, if you kill me, you're doing me a favor. So just go ahead and do it. He said, to live is is Christ and to die is gain. I will gladly take the second option. You know what I'm saying? He was so content. He knew who he was in Christ. I'm talking about how we overcome. We overcome by living well in the tension. When we live well in the tension, number one, we inspire others. Number two, we learn contentment. Here's the third one as the band comes and and prepares to play softly. Again, Paul writing this from prison, he said this in 2 Timothy 2, verse 8. He said, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Let Let me give you the point before I get into the verse. When we live well in the tension, we see that there are no limits to what God can do. We see that there are no limits to what God can do when we live well in the tension. And when you look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8, he's saying, remember Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. And this is what Paul is saying. He's reminding the people who's reading this letter. He's saying, I want to just remind you that Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead, and he didn't go back into the tomb. He is alive forevermore. And he's conquered death, hell, and the grave. And that's not just for himself. That's for every single one of us. That's for you and me. He's alive. He's alive. And let me just ask you this. What are you facing? What kind of difficulty or challenge are you facing in your life right now that you think is bigger than Jesus and his ability to conquer it? He rose from the dead. He overcame it all. There's nothing 
too difficult for him. Paul goes on and he says, this is my gospel. Jesus is alive forevermore. And he says, this is my gospel. The word gospel there, the translation is, this is my good news. But Paul, you're in prison, right? Right. But I've still got this good news. I've still got this gospel. I've still got my testimony. And watch this. This is what I choose to identify with. It's not my struggle. It's not my chains. It's the risen Lord who's alive in me. That's my gospel. Not everything is right in my world right now, but everything will be right because Jesus is still alive. And he goes on. He says, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But then look at what he says next. He says, but God's word is not chained. That is so powerful. We may be limited in and of ourselves. There is a limit to what we can do and accomplish in our own strength. There is a limit to how much you can take. There's a, the, people will quote a scripture to you and they'll say, God will never put more on you than you can bear. That is not in the Bible. It's not there. There is a limit to what you can handle. There's a limit to what you can take. But there is no limit to the power of the word of God. This is what Paul's saying. His word cannot be chained. His word cannot be stopped. His word cannot be silenced. There's a limit to what I can do, but there is no limit to what God can do because there's no limit to what his word can do. And this is what it says. Amen. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, this is what the scripture says. God says, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it will accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. There are no limitations to what God can do, regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in. And while you might feel like you're locked in chains here on the earth, you might be limited here on the earth. His word never is. And when there's nothing else you can do, let me tell you what you can do, church. You can begin to declare the word of God. You can declare it over your life. You can declare it over your situation. You can declare it over your mind. You can declare it over your children. You can declare it over your grandchildren. You can declare it over your future. You can declare it over your past. You can declare it over your present. You can declare it over your church. You can declare the word of God. And when the word of God goes forth, it will not return void. It will accomplish what it's been sent out to do. I did this just yesterday. I was watching the news. Not a, not a, not a good thing to do. Uh, I was watching the news and I heard about this hepatitis outbreak that's happening all over the country and all these kids are getting hepatitis and doctors don't know why this is happening and, and, and some of the kids have died and others have needed transplants and all that. I mean, it's just kind of weird. It's happening in multiple states and, and, and you got this weird thing happening and epidemiologists don't know where it came from and what's really going on, but it's spreading and it's, it, it, it's getting difficult. And I, th I just sat there and thought, you know, what, what, what are we supposed to do? We're like, we're powerless here. We're powerless to do anything. There's a limit to what I can do. And then I thought about it, and I was like, there's not a limit to what God can do. So right there on my couch, I began to make some declarations over my family and over my city and over my loved ones according to the word of God. I began to plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I called them by name, and I reminded God what he said about them in his word. Amen. 
I reminded God that he's the healer. I reminded God that he's the deliverer. I reminded God that he's our protector, that he is our sure and safe and strong tower, that he is our help in the time of trouble. I reminded God of what his word said. And I know that I'm limited in what I can do, but there is no limit to what God's word can do. And in this day and age that we are living in church, we must become people who live by the word of God. It's the only way we're going to overcome everything that we're facing and everything that we will face in the days to come. There are no limitations to the word. So let's live like we believe that. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's stand together. We're going to sing in just a minute. But I want to show you one more thing in the scripture. If you look at John 16, 33, I want you to look at this again. You see the paradox there. In the second line, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Contradictory statements that are both somehow true. We're going to have trouble. But it's okay because I've overcome the world. But I want you to look again at what he said, what Jesus said before that. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. (laughs) I said, you want to talk about living in the tension well. That's what it looks like. It's living with peace. And I really felt impressed by the Lord to say this to somebody. Sometimes overcoming is you moving through your storm and it being in your rearview mirror. Other times, you overcoming is living with peace in the middle of your storm. And you're like, God, why am I still here? Why is this still swirling all around me? And there's not an answer to that question, but what there is an answer to is you have peace that passes understanding. And it doesn't make sense to anybody else, but you know why you have peace. It's because Jesus said, my peace I give you. My peace. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me all across the room right now, and I just feel impressed to to stop right there and pray for for people who, you have spent enough time in the tension, in this paradox, and you need God to intervene, you need God to work, you need God to move, whether it be to give you a sense of peace while you endure it, or to bring you out of it. God knows what he's doing. He's got a plan for your life, and I'm going to pray over you right now, but if that's you, if you say, Pastor, I'm going through something right now, and I want you to pray for me, will you just lift up your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to bring you up front, anything like that. I'm just, I just want to see your hand so I can pray for you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's join our faith together in prayer right now. Father, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that your word will not return void, Lord, and your word went forth today in power. And God, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit would now move and quicken our hearts to receive the word of God. Lord, and I pray for every single brother or sister in this room and those watching us online right now who are dealing with difficulty and they're going through trouble and they're going through hardship and they're facing circumstances that feel bigger than them and they don't know where the answers are coming from. Lord, you are the answer no matter what we're facing. And God, I pray that you would build faith in your people now in Jesus' name, that hope would rise up in Jesus' name. Come on, that faith would rise up in Jesus' name. Lord, that we would 
believe the other side of this paradox that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us, that we are going to overcome because of the blood of Jesus, that there's nothing too difficult for you. Holy Spirit, right now, move and have your way in our lives and in our homes and in our families. Change perspectives, change hearts, change minds. Transform us, Lord, to be your people. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And God, for those that need your peace right now, they're struggling in the middle of this tension and they don't have peace. Lord, would you just overwhelm them right now by the power of the Holy Spirit with that peace that your word talks about, the peace that passes understanding, God. You are our peace, your word says. And you break down every wall of hostility. God, do it now in Jesus' name. I speak peace over your people today. Peace in the midst of the storm. Peace in the midst of the chaos. Hallelujah. Come on and receive that right now. I feel the Holy Spirit working in this place. Just receive his peace right now. Peace. Hallelujah. The comfort of the Holy Spirit. The Bible calls him our comforter. Lord, would you comfort your people right now? In Jesus' name, minister to us, God. Come on, as the band leads us in this song, just receive from the Lord today.